Hey, everybody, welcome back. I got some more doctors for you. <laughs> Except Dr. Marsh, well, I wouldn't say he's a real doctor. He's a medical doctor. He's a, he's a doctor doctor. He's a cut you open and fix your heart kind of doctor. Although I don't think he's a cardiac specialist, but he's a doctor. Welcome to the program tonight with a man who has an incredible story and one that's going to inspire you and really make you think about what it is you're doing and where you come from, Dr. Marsh Lewis. Dr. Marsh, thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is a light. It's just, it's such a pleasure. I'm just having a ball already. And we're just getting started. <laughs> we tend to have fun on this show because I tend to be goofy in a very serious way. Anyway, here's my, here's my first question to you, sir. What, Dr. Marsh Lewis, what makes you so joyful tonight? Sure. What makes me so joyful is just being alive. Despite everything that's going on, I appreciate the breath of life. And my goal is to try to transmit that to every person and every interaction I have. So I am grateful for that every moment. Yeah, no, that's that's a great answer. That's a great answer. It um, you know, someone, someone of your of your accomplishment and of your of your acuity, um, people like you uh sometimes can get, you know, highbrowed and you know, very separate from the culture, looking down on the less sophisticated parts of our blackness. Um, I was talking to Jocelyn Jackson earlier and she, she went through a brilliant list of all the different kinds of blackness, right? There's, uh, there's Ivy League blackness and then there's, there's, there's hood blackness and, you know, um, but you, you've maintained your connection. Here's my question, uh, in spite of the long introduction, but what keeps you grounded? What keeps you rooted and centered in the thing that produced you? Sure. Absolutely. So it, it's it's my faith, and it's certainly the community that I grew up from. We were starting to hint at it, and that's Brooklyn, where we're sometimes always up to no good. But um, I was a waiter for 30 years, and, and my mother was a nurse, and uh, she adopted me, and I know we may get to that. But um, the humbleness is really sincere. When you serve others in that capacity, and, and some might say it'd be a good idea for many doctors to work as a waiter. And for many years, I did it, like I said, until about 30. Um, you really appreciate the, the tenor and the temperament of working with people. They will definitely take you up in terms of being very complimentary, very kind, very generous. And then a moment later, they may leave you two cents, literally in terms of what they think of your service or your opinion. So what it does is that it helps you look within and realize, okay, I still give great service regardless. I'm not doing it expecting a tip or expecting a compliment. And so going into medicine, it's actually in some ways a really good transition to maintain that, leaving that ego at the door and let, I'm here to serve and with pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think the heart of a servant and the willingness to serve is, I said to Dr. Felicia earlier, with respect to her gifts, it's a gift. It is a gift. Everybody doesn't have it. Everybody's not born to serve and everybody doesn't understand that service, you know, the scriptures say he that is to be the greatest among you right? Let him be your servant. You mentioned this earlier in passing, but I wanted to spend some time here um, because you were adopted, right? You, 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 you come, you were, um, I don't know the story, which I'm hoping you're about to tell me. You have to deal with abandonment at whatever level of, of whatever sort. How did you end up needing to be adopted? Sure. Well, exactly. It amazed me sometimes. So keeping it very simple, uh, the woman that decided to adopt me was almost 70 years old. She had just retired essentially from nursing. And she said she wanted to do something with her life. How old was she? She was 68 at the time. Okay. But still very hip and certainly not square. 
So she decided to either work with older people or younger people. And she felt the kids would keep her younger. So with that same kind of mentality and vitality and, you know, our sisters, you know, keep it real and keep it spry throughout 100 years easily. Um, she brought me in, my brother as well. Um, you know, they always send to add. But, but Dr. Marsh, hold on one second. Well, I'm asking a different question. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, and, and if, if you don't mind, what, what's the story before the woman that adopts you comes into play? How did you end up needing to be adopted? Sure. I, as best as I understand it, feel that my mom just couldn't afford to take care of me. Mm -hmm. uh, her man, my father, had left. Uh, I was two or three months old. And she essentially left the apartment and there I was and a neighbor heard me crying and called CPS. Um, and then they turned you over to agencies. Wow. Wow. So I'm glad, I'm glad I made you slow down and say that. Oh, that's so good. Because little did they know what they were leaving on the bed. Little did they know if they had known Dr. Marsh that they were leaving a doctor on the bed. They probably would have rethought what they were doing, but my goodness, that's powerful. And let me ask this, because I can't, I can't help myself. How does it feel when you tell that story? Like when you say it, even now, like how does it feel to know that that's part of your journey? Sure, I feel comfortable owning it. It is who I am, like um, the doctor was saying. Be comfortable in who you are and don't be ashamed to hide that. I didn't really hold any uh, remorse or anger against uh, my natural mother, who I did ultimately get to meet at that mm. time. The agencies arranged it. And so, um, like you said, the only clue, though, because we are you know, a Christian family here, is that uh, my name means Moses. And uh, as you know, he was one of the first adopted. So, uh, so there was a clue. There was Facts. A Facts. Yeah, that, that. See? Yeah. I missed that. I missed that. Am I pronouncing your first name right? Sure. Oh, I hear everything. As Mosh is fine. Moshe, Moshe, Mosh potatoes. So I'm good with all of it. But what, 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 what should I be saying? Well, Mose Moshe. Oh, Mose, Mose, got it. Well, I'm, I'm going to get my soul together and say it right, uh, Dr. Mose. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you said something that, that I think is so powerful. Um, it, it, it is amazing to have that story, right? And to be able to tell that story and own that story and live that story. Uh, and, and then to be able to meet your mom, your biological mom. Uh, I want to talk about the music and I'm going to talk about medicine, but I, this is so juicy. <laughs> what was it like to meet her? Sure. Well, I came from a place of fear for sure, because at that time, I was young years, so six, seven, eight, the first thought at that age for me was, they're going to take me away from my adopted mom. And I'll keep trying to clarify because I call adopted mom, mom. And her name's Ruby. So, I mean, if we can just throw those names in there. This is real. Mom. You changed. All the actors are not. They are real characters in this story. And so that name alone, you know, meant a lot. Um, and so she was my mom. So you're scared about that. You have to go to a judge. You have to go to court. Um, as a young child, that's a very intimidating experience. And the whole time, that's what your thought is that I'm going to leave the home and all. Luckily, keeping it to the point, she, my natural mother, really felt and comfortably told the judge and the lawyers once we got there, he is doing well where he is. I'm happy that they included me to the extent that they have in his life, but I see the richness of the environment he's in, and I wouldn't change a thing. Wow. 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 Things are a little say, different then. Yeah, yeah. Say, say, what you, say whatever you might be able to say about her. Um, that act alone 
um, was was a gift uh, in, in strange ways. Look, let, let's change subject because we we could literally talk about that all night. Um, but what's interesting about you, man, is you end up at Cornell, right? Baby left on the bed, abandoned, ends up at an Ivy League university, Cornell, and then you end up at Juilliard, right? Um, now I get Cornell, that's an undergraduate degree, and your undergraduate degree is in what? What's your undergraduate degree in? Uh, biology. Biology, figures. <laughs> and society. <laughs> now, how did you end up at Juilliard? Sure. So this same, my natural mom would get on the piano with her Christian spirituals and play every time she feels spirit. I know you're too young to remember that song, but it was- Every time the I feel the spirit. Don't play with me. I'm uh, ready. <laughs> I, I not only grew up in the church, I, I was in the church every day. And so uh, you named the choirs, we did it. And on that note, um, seeing her play, I want to play. So she said, okay, if you're serious about it and you'll stay committed, let's do the lessons. Well, it always seems like there's a story going on in terms of the business aspects. And we just talked about that. The piano teacher said, I have a friend who can teach voice. So between the two, I was doing piano and singing and then ultimately went to uh, Lincoln Center, the Met and Juilliard. Yeah, which is amazing, by the way, because you, ha you had to have been pretty damn good to be playing and singing at the Met. Um, I've, I've had the, I've had the privilege to uh, to go to the Met to, to a couple of operas. I'm cultured people, <laughs> and, uh, and it, 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 it's quite a cultural place. You know, it's it's where the New York, you know, Sididi, that Upper West Side crowd goes. Well, so you had to be really good. Now, when, when you played at the Met, you were playing and singing, uh, mostly singing, honestly, at that point. Yeah, so. Concerts on the sort of by night, to pay some of the bills, and then uh, singing uh, for the shows. So that's incredible. That, was that really no, that's that, it's impressive. I, I, I this is why we wanted to have you on the show tonight because we, you know, we wanted to model this right here that that it does not matter. It simply does not matter how your life begins. It simply doesn't matter. It 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 may be hurtful. It may be bruising. And you may be wounded in the in the barrel of the darkness, but if you can latch on to the right kind of people who love you, you can end up at Cornell, <laughs> at, at Juilliard, playing at the Met, and then you get to the the best medical school in the in the country, if not the world. You went to Harvard, Harvard Med Harvard Medical School is so good that they don't even play the they don't even pay the professors. <laughs> they don't they don't have to. They don't and, have to. But look. look Full disclosure, it was only some post-back work, so I'm not going to try to make it sound like that's uh, where I did all my training. But uh, It doesn't matter. They let you in. So <laughs> we, we at Harvard admit all kinds. We, if you get in any kind, you, you're one of us. It, it's amazing because um, how did you get, and I got two minutes before I, take, before I have to take a break, the journey from music to medicine, from, from, from Juilliard, the Met, to medical school. How did that happen? Sure. Well, I can soundbite that because the truth is that I at least thought, and I don't think I was completely wrong, that despite the talent, it is a lot of work and it's very solitary. I was in uh, concert rooms and things like that six, seven hours a day alone. Mm -hmm. That isn't me. I love people having grown up in the church. That's all I knew. And I really enjoyed the theater and the singing. But to really sort of be on your own so much time, I felt I needed to find a way to give back even more than just through playing. Mm, wow, wow. Yeah, that that's a that's a deep decision, man. To 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 forego the applause of the of the elite 
in, in, the, in, the, in the greatest cultural city in the world to forgo that adulation for a chance to serve people. But, you know, as we say that I worked as a waiter so long and to be quite practical, because we were talking about entrepreneurship for the first half hour. Um, I didn't really see that road paved to a large ability to be an entrepreneur, to be able to give back, as you said, but also just financially, it, it really takes a lot from you. And I definitely think there's for those that have that talent um, worth pursuing for sure. But I really thought I could do even greater things in, in medicine. I really believed in that. And so uh, I don't want to let that go. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good stuff. It goes to show you that um, you can always pivot. You can always pivot. It's never too late to change, transform, reinvent yourself. You know, the beetle sheds its shell once every 28 days. Once every 28 days, it's a new creation. I think I'm right about this before I take this break. Isn't it true, Doc, that the human body regenerates all of its cells once every seven years? Yes, everything turns over. Bone turns over. The skin turns over. So, yeah, no, you're right on the money there. See, don't doubt me, people. <laughs> and my point is, you can transform. You can change. And I got Dr. Mouche on the program to prove it. We'll be right back, right after this. Hey, everybody. I'm back with Dr. Moshe Lewis. And um, <laughs> listen, so your story is not only fascinating and interesting, it's inspiring. It is extremely inspiring to, to sit here and be able to talk to you, uh, this, this baby, uh, this man, this singer, <laughs> this doctor, uh, this, uh, this practitioner of medicine. That's all, you're all of that. I, isn't it amazing how when you meet, Dr. Moshe, tell me what you think about this. When you meet a human being, you are meeting so many, in that one moment, you are meeting so many different, the collapsing of so many different versions of that person. Sure. And that's one of the things that I love about medicine. It gives me that opportunity. There are other fields as well, for sure. Um, being in the ministry, um, interfacing with people as a nurse. There's so many things, but I love being able to get sort of the stories behind the stories. There's so many. We can only go but so far in our relationship. We have to keep it in medicine or field, of course, but it opens up many doors more often than one might think. Mm. Mm. So, so, so tell me a great that you just, you just open, you just opened the door, so I'm going to open it more. Tell me a great story um surrounding some patient some whatever moment of medicineness <laughs> that, that you had to encounter uh that would just inspire the hell out of all of us sure well no absolutely so one of my uh patients uh, comes in and they on the surface appear to have everything together nothing super fancy but life doesn't seem to be a challenge um, and then they start talking about their uh, eating disorder. And that slowly evolves into issues with pain and substance abuse. And then little by little, we find out about some of the things I do that really had happened at home beforehand. And so I think it gets at some of what you're saying without obviously giving all their details away, that what appears on the surface for so many people that are in a place of hurt or in a place of need really often is not all of what's going on. And I think it's up to doctors many times to try to do some of that unraveling. You realize time can be limited. So I see my patients over time every year. I always like to say that I'm going to see them more than any doctor that they've ever seen because I see them every month. And so by doing that, almost no patients have access to seeing a doctor every single month. And I'm talking about in good times and bad. They can, not just when they have their surgery, not just when they're having something big, but when it's just a regular checkup. 
that ability really allows a lot of this unfolding or doors to open as we discussed. You're an amazing doctor, man. That that's a commitment to people um, because and talk about this, because there's such a disparity in healthcare between, you know, black folks and everybody else, black and brown folks and everybody else. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why I wanted to do this and why I was so inspired by all the things that you're doing because we need to love our own and ourselves and take care of our own. Every single time I would hear, especially when this latest pandemic came up, what are, what are you doing? What is the government doing? And we know some of those contexts that happened in. I sat there for a few weeks and said, what am I doing? What am I doing to try to take care of my community at that next level? And I call that a sacrifice. Over and above, for sure we serve. Every position of color, there's no question, whatever community it may be that you're serving. How do I take the message higher? Because these disparities do affect us. And I'm tired of it, to be quite frank. Call it the next Black Dr. Oz, whatever you want. I want our people to know that there are plenty of physicians out there that care about them and will make those extra sacrifices to be available literally morning, noon, and night, like it used to be, and be available and listen to them and see them on the regular as opposed to up, uh, sorry, you know, I really only had 12, not even 12 minutes, so I got to go. That yeah. is much of what I hear across all nationalities. Yeah, I, I had to have a surgery once. I had to have my gallbladder removed and I never, I didn't even see a black doctor. Every doctor that I saw was either white or Indian. Tell it, I mean, we're out there. And so our goal, and I think uh, what I love about this is the opportunity to continue to highlight that and to make sure that we really basically continue to take care of our own and basically also not have our people feel too frightened to come out or to see someone because they don't think that we care, they don't know where we are. We really have yeah. the message out that, that our community is here to serve and that we love serving and we're happy to take care of them. I'm gonna make you my doctor. I'm not, you, what, you in San Francisco? He's like, that's not too far. I'm in LA. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I can't come every month. <laughs> they don't pay me enough around here. That's our video and telemedicine today. There we go. You gonna be my doctor, Doctor Moshe, because I like you. You know, you got you got that thing a doctor should have. You know, that kindness, the brilliance. You got all that. I like. See, I don't mess around and found me a doctor on the Doctor Show, Sean. <laughs> is that a double entendre? What is that? Anyway. Let me ask you this, man. Would, would you change anything about your journey? No, never, ever. I think people should be grateful for the path that they have to be on. We realize that some of those are much harder than others. I don't want to diminish that at all. But being able to find people who can help and for sure, just like Dr. Phillips spoke to, it was a community. And this particular community was in the church. Concord Baptist, still in Brooklyn, 130 years without trying to preach. Oh, you said Concord Baptist? Oh, yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop the show, everybody. Put the, put the show on pause. Do, con on Marcy and Putnam? You, you got 833. Do you know that that is the church where I pretty much came to maturity? I just wish I grew up there, but I love Gardner Taylor. Yeah, yes, Gardner. I spent time at Gardner Taylor's house on many occasions. Oh, and, and so have I. No, for, for everybody watching who doesn't understand why I just got so excited, Dr. Gardner Calvin Taylor is the greatest a preacher America has ever produced. If you never heard of him, Google him, YouTube him. And Dr. Moshe 
grew up going to his church. Dr. Taylor was a mentor of mine. He's my mentor. And I grew up coming over to Brooklyn to his church all the time and spending time in his home. That's amazing. Absolutely. No, we're, I kid you not, uh, 32 years until I left New York and the choir, the usher board, uh, I've been there long enough to be a deacon. Um, but the kings and queens, you name it. So um, yeah. the music teachers and the voice teachers, that's where everyone came from. And that, that church, and you know it from having- And Frank, music. well, I forgive Frank's last name. Sure, it'll come to mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he was I the lead. He would always sing solos before Dr. Taylor preached. Senior choir. Wow. This, this is like coming home. <laughs> I told you when you mentioned New York, that we were going to find, there's never six degrees of separation with us, only two or three. So Facts. Fact, that's true for black folks, right? That's true. As a matter of fact, I did that one day and I, I tried to name some, you know, some incredibly famous people and realized I'm only one or two people away from those people. It's, it's amazing um, because you're right. Listen, let me ask you this. Tell me something that would shock me about the human body to know. Sure. Well, I think for me, at least what I found shocking is that there's always time for repair. I love this with my seniors in our 80s and 90s. And I have plenty of patients who are older because my mother lived to be quite old since she was older when she even adopted me. We can still grow, learn and expand. What we mean by that is that I will do exercises with my patients who are 84. Today, I was talking to a patient who's 95. Uh, my oldest patient is 103, walking, talking, doing well. So that doesn't mean that you get a, out of jail for having smoked too much or having had a little bit too much bubbly or things of that nature. But in your 50s, uh -oh. your 60s, <laughs> you can still get it together and still your body can recover, recuperate, and do better every single year despite being in those later years. So my seniors love that. We bring that to them all the time and we find ways to continue to stay active and to stay positive despite everything that they've gone through. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's rich. That the body is always willing and ready to be in repair. Is that what you said? Really, you got it. That's good. That's good to know. I need to hear that. <laughs> that's not too late. Like, come on, body, come on. <laughs> repair, repair what I've done. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting about about um the chance to talk to a doctor in a pandemic. Um, matter of fact, let me, let me ask you this question. This 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 may seem pedantic, but it really isn't. Why is it why is it so insane that people are insisting about not wearing masks? Like. Just, just as a doctor, just, just go ahead. Right. Well, you know, I made a video about it. We're not trying to. I got, I got two minutes left. But, but the, I made a video about it. Is all I was trying to say because I think that we're at a time where it's hard. And this is the last twenty years for people to sacrifice themselves for others. It's been about me, myself, and I, and individuality has been exalted to such a high level in the last few decades. We have to be able to think about that grandparent, that adopted parent, our older people and people who are at risk, even if they're not older. Making that ultimate sacrifice, and we talked about that, is really something that's over and above what many Americans in this country have done recently. Yeah, no, you're so right about that. And it amazes me how people who claim to be evangelical, Bible-thumping, Jesus-believing, go to church every Sunday, but won't wear a damn mask. Because I don't understand that. How can you love Jesus and then not love your neighbor enough not to want to kill her. <laughs> anyway, I got to go. I'm out of time tonight. Dr. Moshe Lewis, you are truly a special 
human being with a special story. I, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely. Thank you for this. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me and what you're doing and continue to commend you. I really, I love your shows. I watch them all the time. I've you watch the show? I do. Six months I've had your app. I'll be honest, I logged on around COVID time. I started trying to reach out to see who is out there doing what. So I, I do love the show and I'm, I'm a true fan. Man, we love you even more now. <laughs> you stick around because I got to get your number. You're my new okay. doctor. Listen to everybody. He's my doctor. Get your own damn doctor somewhere. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Get a doctor wherever you can find it. Thank you for tuning in tonight, everybody. Stick around for Claudia Jordan, Out Loud with Claudia Jordan. She's going to be amazing. She always is. You know how Claudia is. Hilarious. Hilarious, Claudia. Um, send her my best on the chat when you talk to her. Listen, be good to each other. Really, be good to each other. And remember, I love you.